This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Syngenta. More than 27,000 people in over 90 countries helping the world's farmers grow more from less, protect the environment, and improve health and quality of life. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Greg Dowd, President of the Commodity Markets Council. Welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thanks, Ken. Good to talk to you. I've talked to you in the past in other capacities. Now you step into this role. You've been involved in several different types of commodity organizations. Tell us about your new role at the Commodity Markets Council and really what it is. Well, you know, I used to be on the uh, CFTC Ag Advisory Committee when I worked as chief economist for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And then I, when I went to Senate, the Senate Ag Committee to work on the Farm Bill, uh, part of my, my portfolio was also CFTC issues. And so when the opportunity came to work uh, for the Commodity Markets Council, I jumped at it because this is the, this is the group in town that works uh, for the, uh, the ABCD, the grain business, uh, the, uh, the exchanges, the uh, FC Stones and, and RJOs, along with the uh, major players on the energy side, to work specifically on CFTC issues and, and really kind of lobby those issues. And so, this is uh, this is the CFTC uh, shop in town. It used to be called the Grain Trade Council, but uh, this is that this is what this group does. It doesn't really get into a lot of different things, but we focus on CFTC. Greg, your group recently wrote a letter that. Uh criticized or at least wanted to examine the position limits that are proposed by the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Um, What are your primary concerns with these position limits? The concern is that we have to continue to be able to use markets in a way to manage risk. And and the term that is used is is bona fide hedging. And, And what this uh, the commission attempts to get into their great concern and the great concern on Capitol Hill is excess speculation. You know, speculators are, are uh, not what we want in these markets. And of course, in agriculture, we disagree with that because speculators are what uh, helps us, uh, you know, make more of a product when uh, we, we have a shortfall. We, we need all kinds of participants in these marketplace. But what we have is an in a, a concern that if you're a grain elevator in Kansas or, or a feedlot in Nebraska, uh, you have to be able to manage risk and, and use the thing called bona fide hedging. Uh, this, this rule potentially rewrites a lot of these hedging definitions to call them speculation, puts them over in the speculation column. And uh, that creates a huge, huge problem for us. And, and uh, one of the other aspects of this is, Let's say that a, uh, a farmer wants to sell his grain uh, at the country elevator for uh, 2015. Um, there's a, a thing that was hardwired into Dodd-Frank and, and used the term anticipatory hedging. Well, in the uh, in the original proposed uh, position limits rule by the CFTC, they talk about anticipatory hedging. When the, when the court vacated that rule and CFTC came out with a new rule, they took all of that language out, and the great concern is that that may take away uh, grain merchandisers' ability to offer those kinds of uh, forward contracts because uh, if this rule goes through as planned, that would be referred to as speculating now and not hedging, and, and we just don't agree with that at all. Uh, Dodd-Frank doesn't agree with that, and, and uh, so th- our comments reflect that. Well, now, 
it looks to me like that along with what you're defining here as, uh, as hedging, there are other derivatives that have been put into the marketplace, and uh, they seem to be complex. So what's your view on these derivative rules? Uh, are you concerned about those? That's the issue, is, is the, the complexity of this is, is uh, quite enormous when you look at what they're trying to do. Uh, we, we get the impression here that they're trying to uh, now get a lot more particular about some of these hedging definitions and to say, well, if, you're, if a company isn't exactly uh, showing on, on a trade-for-trade-for-trade for trade basis how much of a physical commodity they have, and, and you can't show what you're doing that is a hedge, then we have to put all that over in the speculative column. Uh, that's really ridiculous because if you look at a large uh, multinational grain trading firm, they have uh, they're, they're netting stuff out inside the firm from uh, South African corn to Mexican corn to U.S. corn, you, you name it. And the great concern here is is that there could be some sort of punitive penalty several years after the fact if uh, it is determined that they didn't get exactly right on every single day. And that's that that's a wholesale change from the way things have been done for decades in, in the grain business in particular. And, and uh, it doesn't make any sense. There's, this didn't cause the financial crisis, and, and, and Dodd-Frank agreed with that. And so we don't understand where the commission is coming from here. And that's our, our comments go into, I think, something like 23 different examples of what is hedging and what constitutes hedging and that need to remain that way. In the system, we've had abuses in the past companies like MF Global that have gone bankrupt and other things. Is this overall picture of trying to redefine hedging and keep people in line a reaction to the excesses of the past and the fear that they could repeat themselves in the future? Well, this isn't actually a reaction to MF Global. We can, we can talk about one of the things that they propose that is a reaction to MF Global that I think is even a little more egregious than this, and, and that is the term that we use is called the, the changes in the residual interest regulations of how margin is calculated. Uh, essentially, the, the CFTC has written a rule that doesn't make any changes today, but in five years will result in a doubling of what everybody will need in terms of margin requirements to trade in the futures market as a result of that. And, and that's just completely wrong-headed, in, in my opinion, Ken, because really what it would do at the end of the day is would have given John Corzine twice as much money to abscond uh, when, when he did what he did with MF Global. It, it doesn't fix the problem in any way, shape, or form. You know, the CFTC, their job is the cop on the beat, in, in the same way the FBI is a cop on the beat. And, and you know, you, you can't write a law to prevent bank robberies, and, and the CFTC can't make a regulatory change to prevent this kind of thing from happening, but you can, you can certainly do things to, to dissuade it. And, and I think you know, they do a really good job, but it's this is a, a real challenge to react to the politics of this up on Capitol Hill sometimes. Greg Dowd, uh, president of the Commodity Markets Council. Let me turn to reauthorization of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Do you see it in the uh, near-term future? That is a very difficult question to answer, and, and that is, again, it's a political uh, thing, Ken. You uh, on... Uh, the uh, Republican side of the equation, uh, there are a lot of concerns about some of the things that the CFTC has done under uh, former Chairman Gary Gensler's tenure, and, and now uh, as of the first of the year, uh, Gary is, is gone, and we have a new 
group of folks at the CFTC. There are three primary areas that we're concerned about. It is these bona fide hedging definitions uh, in the position limits discussion. Uh, it is this residual interest that we talked about, the doubling of margins. And then there's one other issue. We call it uh, the reporting requirements and the regulation 1.35, what that really means is that uh, this this may be the most egregious of all, is there's an attempt by the CFTC here to reach through to want to keep track of uh, physical commodity trading or, or cash trading discussions between the farmer and the country elevator. What they want to do under that regulation is capture all of the, even the text messages that, uh, you know, they already have to capture the phone calls, et cetera, at, at certain points and, and what they do that what is eventually reflective in a futures trade. We don't even have the technology to capture a text message and, and this result. And, and what that it's a big problem because now these companies say you can't, a, a farmer can't text the elevator to say sell my grain because the regulation says you have to have that and keep that. We don't have an ability to do that. So we have to cease and desist all that kind of activity. That's really silly. And and uh, it doesn't, again, the context of this it had nothing to do with the financial crisis. We need to just take a deep breath here and, and look at uh, what we're doing in these kind of regulations. It's, it's gotten a little too much. There are three uh, new commissioners um, that have been nominated. Um, do you think that all three uh, can pass through and become sitting members of the CFTC in a reasonable time period? Uh, that's two different questions, Ken. I think all three will uh, eventually be uh, confirmed. Uh, the second part of your question, though, is in terms of a reasonable, reasonable time period. That is a very difficult question to answer. You know, it's uh, an even-numbered year. There is a huge backlog in, in the Senate right now and folks uh, waiting to be confirmed. There's a lot of uh, politics up there when it comes to these kind of uh, nominations. And, and so I don't know in terms of the timeline at all. Uh, you know, the, the commission can c continue to operate. It's a five-person commission. It can continue to operate with uh, with even two commissioners. Right now we have three, but uh, Commissioner Trilton, is in there. his term is, is going to be up here in April as well. So uh, it could take a while, but I think things will continue to run. And, and uh, the concern going forward, I, I think, that the ag community has reflected is that for the first time since the CFTC was created in the early 70s, uh, none of these folks that will be the new, the new five-person commission really have any background or experience in agricultural markets. And so that makes the Commodity Markets Council's job uh, really, really important here. To And that, that's what we're planning on doing for, for this year and, and certainly the summer is spending a lot of time with uh, their staff and with their commissioners themselves, helping them understand these issues, helping them understand how uh, processors of ag commodities, merchandisers of ag commodities, farmers, feedlots, et cetera, manage their risk. And the point is, if we uh, we get ourselves in the middle of that with a regulation, you raise the cost of managing that risk, and that at the end of the day, that means farmers get less for what they're growing, and consumers pay more for it at the end of the day, and that's something we're trying to avoid. Greg, let's talk about the potential for having compatibility of commodity futures trading worldwide. Much of it comes through the CME now literally in South America and other places, but we also have Europe, we also have China. What do you think needs to be done to be able to make it to where that the same rules apply uh, worldwide? This is 
the issue of, of 2014 for the Commodity Markets Council. They're in Europe right now. Uh, they're passing uh, their Amir legislation, and it's broken up into three pieces, which is their version of Dodd-Frank. Uh, we actually have created a whole CMC Europe mechanism for our customers and, and our members to keep an eye on, on what's going on over there, because the great concern is that uh, we have trading operations in the U.S. and in, in Europe and London in particular, and you may have to have to have two totally different compliance regimes to deal with this. And, and this is potentially could be a nightmare if, if we don't have an ability for each side of, of the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean to be able to regulate this in a similar fashion. The compliance cost of this already for these companies just, is just enormous. We're spending an enormous amount of time working with our members on helping them understand these compliance issues. And now we have the potential, if we're not careful, to have two completely different regulatory regimes. And so that, that is a huge question going forward. We're spending an enormous amount of time to try to help folks on both sides understand and deal with that. There was a big meeting in Washington uh, here this week on that very subject at the CFTC and, and with, with European regulators over here uh, working with our commissioners to try to figure out how to not let that happen. Very interesting and very informative. Greg Dowd, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. My pleasure, Ken. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Syngenta. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. I'm Ken Root.